The Cardboard and Cracker Jacks podcast is a proud member of the TSP and the Times Two Podcast Network. You can catch our podcast on a number of outlets, including Spotify, Apple, and Timeskew.com. You can follow us on Instagram or Twitter at Cracker Jacks Pod. Fourth of July, ladies and gentlemen. It is your host, Tones, welcomed in by our co-host, Jake, as always. We will get to him shortly. Thank you for tuning in to episode four of the Cardboard and Cracker Jacks podcast. We are excited as we keep growing, and we do bring you a special episode today, a little bit of a Fourth of July episode, a little bit of a heads up on Baller Strike. It will be a Fourth of July themed segment. Our intro song may be Fourth of July themed as well. We're excited. We don't have baseball today, but we are here to share Fourth of July baseball memories and other things with you, as well as give you a maybe potential look inside of the 2020 Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest, which takes place every Fourth of July. Other than that, we're going to bring you awesome mail weeks, card releases, as we always do, a number of other things, including discussing rule changes and maybe a little season preview as well, as there is no seeming update to the Astros cheating scandal. We know that there won't be an update for a while, as Jake pointed out to me yesterday, because Manfred's trying to hide it. You can follow my buddy Jake, our co-host at Astros Jake on Twitter. Let's bring him in. Jake, how are we on the 4th of July, and do you have any plans for today? Happy Independence Day. Yeah, I'm, I don't have any big plans. I'm going golfing later th- this afternoon. Uh, hang out around the house, play some golf. It's a perfect day here, so definitely perfect day to get outside. Perfect day to go golfing, perfect day to grill some weenies, perfect day to do some fireworks. If you don't got anything going on after golf, feel free to come by and spend some time with uh, the family. But I'm sure you're going to have to keep Cardboard and Cracker Jacks Nation posted on who wins your golf tournament. I mean, this is like a 4th of July golf tournament, pretty much you against Tammy. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I mean, we're usually pretty non-competitive. Uh, like last round, we actually, the, uh, the back nine, we played as each other's caddy was kind of fun to try to uh, force each other to think about the next shot a little more. We've been kind of uh, learning to golf together, and we've, we've both gotten a lot better over the past year and a half or so. But, yeah, so, but but today, uh, maybe we'll uh, be, be a little more competitive. We'll see. Yeah, well, I mean, you guys are both better than me, so I view it as a Brady, Manning, Woods, Mil- <laughs> Phil Mickelson type event. I mean, it's the 4th of July. Let's get some cameras out to whatever golf course we're at. But anyways, <laughs> um, I think it's going to be an intense battle. Go out there and get golfing. It's a great thing to do while social distancing. I think Jake, me, myself, our buddies, we're all kind of learning golfing through this pandemic together. But with that being said, 
uh, we'll waste no further time and we'll get into our favorite segment or one of my favorite segments, at least the mail weeks. And you can catch my mail things and other things like that on my Twitter at Tricky Tones BGTE. And as I said, Astros Jake for Jake's. I'll start off with mine, I suppose. And this week in mail is actually a big one for me. I'm going to talk a little bit of about a group break I joined as well because that was phenomenal. But my mail week this week was shaped as this. Um, I got a Bradley Pinion. 2019 he's a Buccaneers punter I got his game worn jersey from the London game last year Bradley Pinion last week so that was pretty cool and then I got in a Bucks practice jersey not Josh Allen the quarterback not Josh Allen the defense lineman but Josh Allen the second former offense lineman I think he was an offensive lineman in the XFL, but I got his game worn practice jersey for the Buccaneers, so that's kind of cool. And then my biggest thing of the mail week of actual mail was a Levante David 2016 game used jersey against the Rams. He is currently the best player on the Buccaneers besides Tom Brady, so that is pretty awesome to get one of those high-end names like Levante David. I got two frames in the mail as well, one for the Pinion, one for the David. And then, as I said, I did join a group rank, my first group rank in forever. It was to help out, shout out my buddy Dylan Mellower on Twitter. Go follow Dylan Mellower, former college football player, huge Buccaneers fan. His brother does group breaks. He um, was gouging interest, said my brother's doing a $10 random team group break for football, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, hey, why not? I'll join. Joined, I paid 10 bucks. I've seen I got the Dolphins, and next thing you know, I've seen a Tua Tunga Viola rookie auto number to 50 pulled from that box. So I got that for $10. That is a beautiful thing about group breaks. And it was quite the end to a great week of mail and group breaks for myself. Jake, any thoughts on those? And what did you end up getting this week? That's a big hit. Yeah, I saw you send me that, that picture of that Tua auto. Was it number out of 50, you said? Yeah, numbered out of 50. It's um, pretty low numbered, I suppose, for a Sage product. Yeah, um, how much is that worth? Right now, it's going it's going for around two hundred ish. Right now, oh. yeah, and I paid ten bucks to get in. So yeah, that's a pretty good deal. We'll take that, and you never know if two, if Tua plays good like he should, it could go up, and if he plays bad, yeah, exactly. well, yeah. Well, so so how many uh how many total jerseys are 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 up to now? Ooh, how many bucks jerseys? I would. I um, it's like every week you got another three or four. I know it's getting ridiculous. Um, I think I'm up to 17 or 18. I want to say 18 or 19, maybe game used, practice used, or team issued jerseys. So I mean, running out of room here, but you know, <laughs> we're gonna find a way to make it done. Cards are a little more easier to store. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, are you framing all of them? Not at the. Not at the current resident I'm in. I'm, I have four in frames, and I just got two more frames in. So six will end up going on the wall here. And then when I eventually bounce around to my own uh, residence one day, I'll probably end up trying to put a whole room together, frame to frame, wall to wall, inch to inch of just buck stuff. Yeah, that 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 Levante David one, sure, for sure, is the frame. That's that's awesome. But and the and and the punter jersey from the London game. Yeah, the punter jersey's from the London game. And yeah, that's cool. That's awesome. Actually, I was talking to him on Instagram a couple months ago, and he said that as soon as NFL gets back in the building, he was going to send me something of his in the mail, a memorabilia. And uh, we don't know when the NFL is going to open, so I'm like, eh, I'm impatient, and I ended up bidding on the jersey <laughs> one. Yeah, it's like, yeah, for, for me, I didn't get anything huge in the mail this week. 
um, got a few packages from some sellers on eBay. Uh, did a lot of um, discount shopping the, this week. So uh, one thing that I like to do when I go on eBay, um, if I find someone that has tons and tons of auctions up and they're all buy it now or best offer, um, I like to go through their uh, their listings to just go through all the Astros cards. And usually if you buy a lot from someone, they'll give you a bigger discount. So like um, one guy, I bought like 60 cards from him um, wow. and all of them were like a dollar or two. Um, like, I mean, pretty much all numbered cards, a couple autographs, um, a lot of the tops uh, black uh, from like 2019 series one, series two. Uh, like the out of 69, um, a lot of tops uh, variations, some tops chrome cards, a couple of cheap autographs, uh, stuff like that. Um, yeah, I mean, you can usually get get a way better deal, similar to like if you're going like a card show. Right. Uh, and then I also bought my second uh, Alex Bregman Super Factor this week. I haven't wow. gotten it in mail yet. But, what, what kind? Uh, it's the 2019 Finest. Bergman Super Factor. That's going to be a beauty. And yeah. you said that's your second. Which other one do you have? Uh, this, the first one I got a couple weeks ago, the 2017 Bowman's Best Best Cuts insert. That's insane. And, uh, and this is my second one. And this one, I um, I had the red. I, I bought the red out of five last year. So I'm really just looking for the orange out of 25 right now. There's the whole rainbow. There's a, there's a couple that are up for sale right now, but... Um, asking way too much for it so i'll hold off so yeah. if anyone has an orange bregman 2019 finest i'll be willing to buy it from you so if anyone has an orange bregman he'll be willing to buy it for you and i'm willing to get you a show okay i'll send you a video of me saying hey send the bregman to jake something goofy like that so let's get jake a bregman orange <laughs> let's get him his hunt let's get him his rainbow filled that would be sick <laughs> Anything of Alex Bregman rainbow is valuable. I know you met Bregman, so that's pretty cool that um you can yeah, yeah. complete his rainbow. Yeah, that, that's, that's actually a pretty funny story. Like, so a couple of years back, um, me and you went to a um, Sox Astros game, and that's how it started. Yeah, yeah, we went to a Sox Astros game um, the one time of the year they're in town, and one of my friends um, worked with someone whose son was at some kind of, uh, like, baseball camp. It was, like, one of those travel teams. Mm -hmm. um, and he found out that, I guess, Bregman, I guess, partly owns the travel team and was going to go there the next day and sign a bunch of autographs for uh, pri primarily, of course, everyone on the team. But then anyone else that wanted to come, uh, you just pay a little bit, and then you can meet him and get his autograph. So I went um got him to sign my uh my 2017 world series flag i i got a ball signed by him and it was very low key there was almost no one there so chad for for a few seconds uh jake marisnik showed up too which was pretty cool um yeah yeah it's pretty interesting when i mean looking back he wasn't as big as he is now but like he's one of the best players in baseball and just met him at just some baseball camp building and i regret i think i was supposed to go i forget i might have overslept my ride or something yeah i, yeah, I do <laughs> i do i regret missing that because as you know i'm a huge memorabilia guy and that would have been really cool to meet a superstar like bregman for sure yeah he's uh he's awesome i mean he's turning into one of the best players in the league yeah quickly. So, 
all that stuff you got autographed is going on the up and up in value for sure. Yeah, I've I've got um I've got a ball going back pretty much every year back to like 2012 I think was the first one that I did it. Um, where I and like primarily 2012, 2013, 2014. Um, uh, when I went to see them play at at, at Wrigley or at the Sox, um, I'd bring a ball and just get it signed by as much guys on the team as I can. And back then when when they sucked, it was super easy to get the autographs. So. The older ones had like 13, 14 autographs on them. Yeah, I remember. Team. I remember I, me and you kind of go once a year, I feel like, to an Astros Sox game whenever they're in town. However, we get tickets. I sometimes get lucky through work. But um, yeah, I remember getting one of those autographed baseballs. I think we had Reiner Cruz. I want to say Carlos Lee threw you a baseball, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was 2012. So 2012. And that was Correa's debut game, right? Or oh, no. No, that was a yeah, that was a few years later. But I was a deck game too. Yeah, we were yeah. at both of those yeah. games because we sat next yeah. to Correa's family. I'm pretty sure with all their uh, Correa shirts on, and he got yeah. an infield hit, if I remember correctly. Yeah, his his first hit was uh, it was an overturned infield hit. So he was called out, went to review, came out to be uh, an infield single. So quite un- uneventful for his first hit, but. Something crazy happens every time we go to Astros White Sox, I feel like. The one time we were on TV, the next year we've seen Correa's debut. The next time, um, sadly, the Danny Farquhar incident happened. That was tragic. Everybody was wondering what the hell happened. And at least he's recovered and hopefully he gets back into the um, swing of things soon. So our thoughts go out to Danny Farquhar. And, um, yeah, it just seems like every time we go to an Astros White Sox game, something wild happens. Yeah, the in the past few years, uh, yeah, I mean it was it was the Farquhar incident, which while we were there, we didn't even realize what was going on. Nope. I mean, we we were sitting behind the Astros dugout, and it wasn't until after the game we got like a phone notification that he was sent to the hospital. And we were like, "What the the hell?" I mean, because he was pitching, it seemed fine. And then I guess right when we went back into the dugout was when it happened. And, Terrible. Yeah, and like no one in the stands could even tell what was going on. Nope. And that's something crazy about baseball, though. Every time you're in the ballpark, you might see something wild and crazy happen that you might not never see again. And with that being said, let's get some product releases for baseball. Um, There wasn't much. It did say there was supposed to be a June release of 2020 Negro Leagues Legends Baseball. It just said June next to it. I'm not sure if I did see that product release yet. Uh, Jake, did you see anything, or did you hear anything about this product? I just see it on Beckett's, no. Beckett's website, but I've never heard of it or seen anything about it myself. No, yeah, that, that must be something newer. I'm, I'm, I'm not familiar with that. That would be pretty, pretty cool to have. Uh, I mean, couldn't, it was like anything from the from the Nero leagues has got to be pretty old. Yeah, and it's, if there's some memorabilia in there. It seems pretty affordable, too. It, it said like 70 bucks a box. I would love to try one of these. I'm just trying to find out where to find them. Yeah, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, because, I mean, it's to be able to, like, pull, like, a 70-, 80-year-old piece of jersey, like, that's got to be pretty cool. That's got to be extraordinary. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's not many of the modern products have have uh, jersey pieces or bat pieces that old in them, and when, and when you do, it doesn't really matter who it is. It's, it's always pretty cool. So. Yeah, yep. 
I think that's a great way to put it. And I, I mean, there's, I think the Negro Leagues is a league that a lot of us could learn a little bit of history about as we collect these cards and cards of this league. I mean, I know of players like Satchel Page and Hall of Famers like that from this league, but I don't know too much about it. Yeah, and um, if you really dig that, dig down deep into it, like there were some some great baseball players that played in that league, like Satchel Page for one, but um, plenty that never played in the majors. But if if they did, they would have been absolute superstars. Yeah, and if... um, yeah, so there's quite 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 a bit to learn from that product. I think that that were pretty cool to do some research on uh, some of the better players and. Um, see what their presence is in that product and uh, be able to hit some stuff from them. I think that would, that would, would be pretty interesting. It's a little bit of a unique collection because it's not Major League Baseball, but kind of a different perspective into baseball's history. Yeah, and that would be cool. As soon as me or Jake find out more info about that um, on our next episode, we'll be sure, be sure to circle back and try and help you guys be able to find it. Other than that, it didn't seem like too crazy of a week uh, for baseball. At least we did have 2019-2020 upper deck ingrained hockey. I'm not too familiar with that. We also had 2019-20 um, Panini Spectra basketball. That's a high-end product. That's a big dollar product. I mean, I'm talking seven, 800 a box with Morant and Zion. We have 2019-2020 Tops Finest Championship League Soccer. 2020 Rittenhouse Twilight Zone Archives. Hmm. Not too sure with that one. In 2020, Panini Obsidian Draft Picks Football Online Only. I'm not a fan of online only buying, as to me, it does hurt guys like T Crown Tom and other guys trying to make a living having a hobby shop. Yeah, one product that I'm looking forward to uh, that usually comes out towards the end of every July is Tops Grown. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that'll be great this year with, with Jordan and Gavin Lux in it. I- I think that's my favorite favorite baseball product. But who else? It's got Lux, and um, I mean, I'm drawing a blank, but you would know who's on the checklist more than me. Yeah, so the main guys should be uh, should be Jordan, Lux, hopefully Luis Roberts in it. Um, I'm probably missing one, but those are probably the biggest three. And I feel like Topps Chrome and Bowman Chrome are two of the products that collectors want a lot. Yeah, I'm really interested to see what the prices are this year. Past few years, Topps Chrome has gone way up. Um, not, yeah, yeah, they they keep making the jumbo packs. Who knows? Maybe this year we'll get those Rosie O'Donnell Topps Chrome packs, like we do the Bowman Chrome packs, the extra big <laughs> ones. But nonetheless, I love that product. Yeah, that's that's always from like an Astros fan collector's uh, standpoint. Um, you usually get I mean, each each team usually has a handful of players just in the main set and. Um, and the variations, all the parallels are awesome. Um, it's usually purple, blue, blue wave, green, green wave, gold, gold wave, all the way down to Super Fractor. And that's one of the best um, uh, rainbow collections that you can collect. And recently, last year, uh, is last year, I have last year's 2019 Topps Chrome uh, Springer Rainbow collected. And I think it's like 18 or 19 cards because there's the wow. sepia, the pink, the negative. Prism, X Fractor. Uh, there's there there there's all those on top of it too from different um from different retail products too. The so, Walmart yeah. and Target exclusive red and blues, I'm sure. Yeah, so so Top Scrum um 
is one of the products I mainly look, look forward throughout the year. Um, so hopefully this is a good one. Jordan's going to be kind of hard to hit, but I'll probably grab one. I feel like me and you always go to Topps Chrome and, you know, there's always these great names on the checklist. So we always expect to land one of them. And I don't think anything's ever been more disappointing than my 2010 Topps of Box Chrome. When they had Jason Hayward, Steven Strasburg, I think Alan Craig at the time was a big name, John Jay amongst others. And I landed, I landed a Lance Zawadzki and a John Link. And ever since then, I've been trying the Chrome, but I've been delivering about the likes of links and Zawadzkis. But it's always a good rip because you do get color and whatnot. Yeah, so I, I remember back when we both started buying boxes, my my first box I ever bought was 2010 Tops Chrome. It had Lincecum on it, I want to say? Um, yes. Yeah, it had Tim Lincecum on, on the cover. And I think I should still have the box somewhere. But, um, yeah, I was pretty pumped getting it. I was like, yeah, I'm going to hit a Strasburg or Hayward. And so I recorded opening the box and like the first or second pack, I got a Kankoa <laughs> Teixeira auto. I'm like, what the hell? And I immediately stopped the recording. <laughs> I, was, I was so sure that I was going to hit one because like, I didn't realize like they, they load like 95% of the checklist with, with, with like no names. And yeah, I, I got a Kinkoa Teixeira auto and I think a John Jay. So yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty disappointing. I think that tops my Zawadzki link one slightly just cause you know, John Jay is still kicking in the league somewhere, but other than that, go try tops Chrome. It's, it's a fairly good chance to get a nice card, whether it's an autograph or a refractor or whatnot, just make sure as you pull these cards, you do your research because there are some cards that you don't think would be too valuable that could actually fetch a pretty penny. Definitely. And um, so a couple years later, uh, 2013 tops Chrome, um, over at Galaxy Sports Cards. Uh-oh. I bought one box <laughs> at Galaxy <laughs> and uh, pulled a Christian Yelich Refractor Auto, which back then wasn't really worth much. I think I sold it for 15 bucks. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, big mistake. <laughs> big mistake. Yeah, big mistake. Um, yeah, I, I sold it. I mean, I, I held on to it for a few years, and then I sold it like six months before he broke out. And yeah, I don't even want to look up what it's worth now. It's worth a few hundred bucks. Yeah, once you do that, you, you're kind of just done with it. You don't want to eBay the price or anything that it's going for. We've all been there. We've all done that. Um, I don't know. It's crazy. The risk of hobby boxes, you could pull no names and they could turn into big names or you could turn big names and they could easily go to no names. Yeah, Hayward's been the opposite. I mean, yep, Jason Hayward. Tops Chrome. Every product that came out that year, it was all about Strasburg and Hayward. And um, Strasburg's still worth quite a bit, but Hayward has gone way down. You can get his, his auto, I think, from that for like less than 10 bucks. That's insane. I remember yeah. when you pulled a Hayward back in the day, everyone was like, holy crap, this guy just pulled a Hayward. Yeah, and going back to that set, there's some other names in there that have gone up, like Giancarlo Stanton. Yeah, Stanton. It was Mike Stanton back then. Um, so his card is in that. Josh Donaldson is also in that. Starling uh, Castro. Starling Castro is in it. Not, not that it went up, Indiana. but you know. Yeah, but the, but looking back, there were some great names that set. 
Yeah, because, I mean, even a guy like Castro's had a pretty good baseball career, not to, you know, the expectations people thought he would, but he's had a pretty good one. So anytime you could pull guys like that from 2010, as you said, it looks a lot better now than it did back then for that uh, 2010 rookie class. Yeah, uh, Starling Castro, actually, I don't know if you realize, but he's he's got an outside chance of getting 3,000 hits. That's that's remarkable. Yeah, like I mean, he's he's never been great, but he's been consistently good. Um, yeah, it's him and Nick Markakis are like the two guys that, that actually kind of have a chance of getting there. Markakis, I'm kind of upset because I uh, the shortened season this year is going to take away like over half the year from him. Yep. But I the past couple couple years I've been following his his stats. He's at like 2,300 hits. Or something yep. like that, 2,300 hits. So if, if, if he plays for five years, he's right there. Real quick before we get to Baller Striker, 4th of July special edition, if Castro or Marcakis get 3,000 hits, do they go into the Hall of Fame? Ooh. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's a tough one. Because <laughs> it, it's like, I mean, anyone with 3,000 used to be a shoe-in, but uh, it's still a great accomplishment, but – I, I just don't know. It's it, it's a tough one. It's a toss up. I don't. I, I think I'm Mark, gonna say with time. Yes. Yeah. I think I'm gonna say with time, not like immediately. I would it say Mark Miller ninth or tenth ballot. And I would maybe give Markakis a slight edge over Castro a little bit, a little bit to get into the hall, just because. I I don't know though, man. It's tough because Castro had such a good start to his career too. Yeah, I'm I, I'm 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 cheering it. I'm cheering for it to happen. Kind of just like I'm interested in what would happen in that scenario. Right. You know, like that's, I mean, every player that's gotten 3,000 hits has pretty much been a shoe in the Hall of Famer. So, like, what happens if someone has 3,000 hits that throughout their career no one ever thought was even close to being a Hall of Famer type? <laughs> like, yeah, like yeah. how is that handled? You it'll know? Be, it'll be interesting because, on the other hand, then you have all these guys. I mean, they cheated, but you thought they were shoe in Hall of Famers and they can't get into the hall for the life of them. So at one point they're going to pretty much the MLB committee will have to pick. Do they do the right thing and put the not so big names, but the deserving names in, or do they put the cheaters in with the big names and tack onto the hall a little bit? I don't know. It's a tough call. I agree. I agree. I'm, I'm, I'm really interested to see what's going to happen with bonds and Clemens once they get to, was there 10th year next year? 10th yep. coming up. Yep. I think it's next year. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see, and we'll make sure as well with the Negro Leagues baseball product we'll keep an eye on for you guys. We'll also keep an eye on for the um, upcoming Hall of Fame inductions and candidates to get in and whatnot, and we'll keep a close eye on Roy Bonds and Clemens and other guys like that. And speaking of the diamond, we're getting back to baseball. We got a cool edition of Baller Strike for the 4th of July. Jake, are you ready for this amazing game as always? Yep, the 4th of July version. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's do it. Fourth of July. Again, happy Independence Day. Question number one, ball or strike? You enjoy watching the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest on the Fourth of July. Uh, do I enjoy watching it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm going to say ball. <laughs> I mean, you know, I think it's kind of entertaining, but it's not really something that I, that I look forward to. I mean, it's kind of gross if you really think about it. 
You don't like guys <laughs> stuffing their face with hot dogs on America's Day? Come on, man. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, what the uh, I just looked up right now. The the record is seventy four hot dogs by Joey in Chestnut ten, in ten minutes in ninety one degree heat. <laughs> Could you imagine that? I think I would eat three hot dogs and fall over ninety. Yeah, I mean, me three is a lot. Like once you eat three, you're full. They, I mean, it's 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 not just the quantity of how they eat them; it's how they eat them. I think it's pretty fucking. Oh, I, yeah, we can we can cut that out. But <laughs> the quantity that they eat them is disgusting. I mean, with with <laughs> you know, they just how, dip. how they wet the bun. Yeah, and let's so, dip so the bun and water. Slides down their throat without even really eating it. <laughs> Man, imagine the. Imagine the bathroom visit after one of these dudes take down <laughs> 65 hot dogs. Like, that can't be enjoyable nor pretty. But No. I mean, you eat a hot dog, you – I mean, I'm pretty picky, so I was covered in ketchup. But So, like, you want to just, like, enjoy the hot dog, and they just, like, dip in water and just shove it down their throat. Like, that's <laughs> – Maybe that'll be a new hot dog condiment water someday, but – um. I'm gonna so go like sh- like in terms of enjoying it. I, I don't enjoy watching it. I I think it's pretty entertaining because it's 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 uh it's it's a little different. It's a little different, but yeah, it, it's yeah. different. It's different. I'm gonna go strike only because um, <laughs> we my family used to go to um Wisconsin Dells every Fourth of July, and I don't know. I'd wake up to the hot dog eating contest and. Uh, these guys stuffing their face with 50, 60 hot dogs. Some of these ladies could put down 20, 30 hot dogs because there is a ladies hot dog eating contest as well. So, I mean, I've never seen more people stuff down more weenies in their life. But, hey, hats off to them. Thanks for um, doing the sport on Independence Day. I know there won't be fans today. You can catch it at 11 Central on ESPN. And with that, with the hot dog eating contest, we'll come to question two. You enjoy the uniforms that the MLB displays on 4th of July or the weekend of 4th of July, you know, with the stars and stripes and whatnot. You enjoy those uniforms, ball or strike? Oh, definite strike. I enjoy um, pretty much all of the unique uniforms that do throughout the year. The only one that I really don't like is the is the Players Weekend ones. Um, but especially the 4th of July ones, I think I think these ones are the best they do throughout the year and usually every team um their logo ends up looking pretty awesome on on the hat it's 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 a pretty cool thing to buy too as a fan to to pick up one of them i'm definitely going strike on this one with you as well i love these um i love the stars stripes and everything else on the uniforms as you said i like the father's day things they do i like the mother's day things they do i like the camouflage unis they wear i like the throwbacks as you said i'm not too huge on the player weekend i can't tell who's at bat half the damn time they got weird scribbles on the back of their uniforms and i can't tell who's up there but i do appreciate a good um independence day weekend uniform i'm going strike i think it looks extraordinarily cool for most teams especially teams like you know the nationals i think their independence day uniforms are always cool how about the uh, the socks? They usually put some not 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 the teams like uh, oh yeah any the, players that wear that wear high socks. They yeah, got some somewhere white and blue socks on too. Those are usually sweet, and I know a couple have like American flag batting gloves and whatnot. So yeah. 
I think MLB does it great. And that kind of coattails into our next question. A lot of people may raise eyebrows with this one, but if you're a baseball fan, you kind of know where we're coming with question number three. Question three, ball or strike, baseball on the 4th of July is equivalent to football on Thanksgiving. Um, kind of, That's a tough one. I'm going to say it's just off the plate. Um, I love baseball on the 4th of July. Uh, it's, it's a travesty that we don't have baseball right now for the, with, the 4th of July, with the 4th of July. Um, Thanksgiving and football, I think, is a little different, though. That's a whole nother level. I mean, football, it's you wake up, there's a game at at, uh, at 11, usually the Lions game, and the Cowboys game, and then right after that, there's one after it. So, uh, yeah, football is, I think, a whole nother level for the holiday. Um, but baseball, I mean, baseball and the 4th of July, this is, like, one of the biggest days of the year for, for the regular season. And uh, I think everyone's just used to um, – I mean, everyone's got the day off from, from work. There's usually a bunch of day games. Yep. And, uh, yeah, it sucks that there's no baseballs here because, yeah, uh, yeah I mean, this is, this is, as I said, one of the biggest days of the year in terms of um, just regular season games. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, yeah. the Nationals, I know the Nationals usually play at 10 a.m. today. Yeah. And can't do that. Thanks. Nope. And I'm going to agree with you, though. I'm going to go slight off the plate ball. As much as I love baseball on the 4th of July, I watch at 10 a.m. to 11 p.m. because there's games that start at 10 a.m. There's games that start at 9 central time that are on the West Coast. I think it's an amazing sport. Back in the day, used to play it on the 4th of July, which was awesome. But I give the slight edge to football on Thanksgiving because – uh, it, it just gives you that feel, man. The food, family, friends, football, uh, it, it's all in one. And it, it, you do get the same on the 4th of July, but there's usually a lot more games in baseball. So 4th of July games are fun, but the games winning or losing them isn't as meaningful, I guess. But Thanksgiving, those games mean a lot. There's only 16 games played in a season. So I don't know. I do love baseball on the 4th of July, but I kind of view it more as an NBA on Christmas type thing. Still really cool. Still their days, still awesome. But I, I, I put football on Thanksgiving slightly above that. And uh, either way, though, you can't complain. I think we just both want baseball back. Totally. Yep. Yep. Totally agreed. Um, as you said, uh, the, the NFL games are worth a lot more. So that kind of partakes into it. Um, and the yeah. Bears play – I know the Bears seem to play a good amount on Thanksgiving lately, it seems, too. Yeah, lately, yeah, we, we well, we played the Lions last year. Yeah, it seems like our game against the Lions just tends to always be on Thanksgiving. And that makes it even yeah. more special if you're, like, a fan of a football team and they do happen to play on Thanksgiving because oh, yeah. you're around friends and family, so everyone's pretty much watching your team play. Oh, yeah, agreed. Agreed. Last year, I mean, my, uh, my dad and I, while we were – while everything was, was cooking, we're sitting down and watching the Bears game. So, exactly. Why yep. not? Yeah, and that's that's it's pretty cool for. Uh, was it just the Lions and the Cowboys? Yep, Lions and Cowboys are the two so, traditions. So, like all all the fans of those teams, um, I mean, I'm sure plenty that have traditions where they go to the game on on Thanksgiving every year. Yeah, that's, absolutely. That's pretty awesome tradition. I'm sure a lot of them go with with a turkey cooked during the game. And after the game, you sit down and eat. So. 
Uh, and then you got John Madden watching from afar, cooking the turkey, dissecting the game. John Madden here, you got the turkey, you got the football going, you got the popcorn over. But no, I think you're right. And especially for Lions fans, they could go to that game at 11 and still go home and enjoy a great meal. So they probably do have turkeys at the tailgate. That would be incredible. I would like to go to a baseball game on the 4th of July again. I was at a Cardinals-Cubs one on the 4th of July three years ago, I want to say. Um, Safe to say, I don't remember too much what happened on that game. I was <laughs> celebrating Independence Day a little too much, but it was a hell of a time. I do remember that, and it was a hot day, but it's awesome for baseball. Yep, yep, totally agreed. I um, yeah, I went to a Sox game I think two years ago on Fourth of July, and it was towards the end of the day, so they had the great fireworks though uh, show. So yeah, Sox yeah. always put on a hell of a fireworks show, and I'm sure. Always even better one on the 4th of July. And once again, it's our 4th of July uh, special episode edition of the Cardboard and Cracker Jacks podcast. That was a great baller strike segment. We're a proud member of the Timeskew Podcast Network, and we have other affiliates as well. Go check out our affiliates and our thoughts on sports over on Twitter at, at Big Recon on Sports, another great podcast partner of the Timeskew Podcast Network. They will have a live stream to, tomorrow featuring our own tones. Yeah. Uh, Go ahead and check that one out. Yeah, I guess I'll be on. He and Big Mike invited me on again tomorrow. It's kind of cool. A couple Sundays a month, or I guess it, I, it's going to be more than that, I guess. But we talk baseball live on YouTube along with Alex Ruiz from Rose 7 Podcast. So you can check us out tomorrow live on YouTube at Big Reekin on Sports. And um, that'll be a good time. So that's always fun. And after that, we do have baseball rule changes between the pandemic and just changes in general, there was a lot of changes this year. And Jake, what are some of those particular changes that may affect the game? So, yeah, so with, with the shortened season, um, there's a few things that, that, that the league is adjusting to accommodate, um, whether it be stuff related to the, to the short season or just experimenting um, uh, with uh, just like things that, that they've been considering doing over the past co- a couple years. Um, one of them, the main one that stuck out to me um, is the overtime rule or the extra inning rule. Um, so essentially in the 10th inning, uh, each team starts with a, with a guy in second. I believe it's called the California rule. Yep. I think that's what's, what's it's referred to as. So, uh, it's it was used in the minors, I think. It was used in I think a couple of years back in the World Baseball Classic. They used it. Yeah, they did. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm 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 trying to stay uh, with my mind open on it, with an open mind. Um, my first reaction is that's not baseball. Um, I am trying to uh, reserve my final judgment until I see how it is on the field. Um, I'm not expecting myself to like it very much. Uh, I mean, it's it's aimed at just stopping the the long games, which they're saying is to keep the players um, from being together too much. But that doesn't really make makes sense to me. I mean, what's the difference between being Two together ten innings versus fourteen innings? Exactly. I mean, you're at the stadium pretty much the whole day anyway, so it 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 just seems like an excuse for them to use something to, um, to 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 try to uh, use another or force another uh, pace of play rule change. 
um, yeah, so I'm not a huge fan of it. Um, but, but I mean, who knows? I mean, maybe they'll start it, they'll start using it, and I'll think it's, it's a cool aspect of the game. I don't know. We'll see. Um, what, what do you think? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. I think as, like, lifelong baseball fans, it's hard to get used to some of these rules like that, like the universal designated hitter, amongst other things. But at the same time, I think we could all just appreciate that there will be baseball this year, no matter the rules. I know I bring it up a couple times with John Lester. He likes to play hardcore baseball, but he said, hey, if we need to change some of the rules this year, we will and we'll play. And the California rule, the extra inning rule, isn't one of my favorites because I personally love 20 inning games. You know, I think they're great. I think it's fun to watch when pitchers have to go in in the 18th or 19th inning and try and help their team wins. I mean, that's part of baseball, you know, Joe Madden, when he used to coach the Cubs would put right-handed pitchers on left field all the time and bring in a bullpen arm, then put that bullpen guy in left field, do a bunch of crazy stuff, yada, yada, yada. You might not get that this year, you know, with the guys starting on second, these games might not cause for that dire situation, which is fine. But I'm kind of like you, I don't really like or appreciate that rule change. And I might grow into liking it or appreciating it. And a couple other key rule changes we will have at hand I believe is the um, the relief pitching rule they can no longer just face one batter at a time and that is one that I am not a fan of because I think that kind of ruins baseball I think that ruins the game a little bit you have a lot of these guys who make money being a lefty specialist and grow up really trying to be a keen left-handed reliever and really focus on getting that one or two key outs of every game and then coming out of the game. But now these guys are going to be forced to pitch to more than one batter. And I just don't think that's fair. I don't understand it. It might save three minutes on a ball game, but I really don't appreciate that rule change. Um, I'm not too much in favor of the California rule either. Heck, I know they tried to do a couple other crazy rules as well. Um, like, um, I'm drawing a blank here, but the universal DH is another one. I know they were going to try something crazy too with like drop third strikes or something. I forget exactly what it is, but I think they were going to try saying if you make it on a drop third strike, it's considered like stealing first base or something like that. There's a bunch of rule changes that are going around right now. And I don't know how I feel with them because it's changing the games before our eyes. And I don't know, we'll see what sticks and what won't, but I personally hope that the, California rule doesn't stick amongst others. Yeah, uh, from a fan of a net, how do you feel about the universal DH? See, see, I mean, it has its pros and cons because I love watching the pitcher get the chance to get retribution, make an impact on the game with the stick. We've seen several pitchers such as Madison Bumgarner's and Carlos Zambrano's and Micah Owings and Mike Lorenzen's of the world who – do go the extra mile, get pinch hit appearances, even as pitchers, and they love doing it. So I don't know. Some of these guys really do love hitting, but at the same time, it would be hard to complain about getting a guy like Kyle Schwarber in the designated hitter spot and, you know, getting a good left fielder out there and not having to get a guy like, um, you know, not that he's on the Cubs anymore, but a guy like Cole Hamels to have to swing the bat. Yeah. Um, what seven years ago seven eight years ago back when the Astros uh, switched from the NL to the AL I was not looking forward to it I was strictly NL totally against the uh the the DH and then after like a year or two of watching it I completely changed my opinion on it um I mean if it wasn't for the DH we wouldn't have 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 Alvarez yeah 
uh, it just adds a lot of extra um, excitement to to the game. Um, I I do appreciate the uh, the strategy that comes with NL baseball, with how you use the pitcher spot um, with double switches and whatnot. Some coaches um, have their pitcher batting eighth. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's unique. I think that that brings an extra edge to to the game. Um, Joe Madden l- likes to do a lot of that stuff. Um, but however, just from like a strictly uh, like entertainment standpoint, we all love hitting, and usually the the DH is just someone that can hit. And yeah, so I I switched my opinion on it. I don't dislike NL baseball, um, so I'm not totally against having the pitcher hit. I just I just prefer to have the the, uh, the DH because that's what I'm that's that's what I'm, that's what I'm used to now. So. Yeah, I mean, as you said, I think you hit the nail on the head. Not having the DAs does cost us a great opportunity to miss out on a lot of ball players like David Ortiz, like Jason Giambi, like Jordan Alvarez, like, you know, I mean, a lot of these guys played first base too. I feel like first base and catcher are kind of the two designated hitter spots. Catcher more so to give their catcher a breather. I know the Twins would do that with Joe Maurer when his career was winding down because you catch for 10, 11 years, your knees just give out. Eventually, Ivan Rodriguez got the same treatment. But I think we miss out on some great talent in the NL that doesn't have an everyday DH. Like, um, I think there would be some good ball players like Adam Duvall if he got to be a DH every day. I think he could hit 30, 40 home runs a year. I think the new guy on the Reds, Aquinos, would be a hell of a designated hitter. I think there's just a lot of guys who are, like, strictly designated hitters, and it would be interesting if that rule did stick for sure. Yeah, and um, for, for the Cubs, I mean, how many, how many games did Schwarber not play because that was defense? Right. Um, so, it, definitely more than a handful. Ever there was there was one game, uh, or one one play specifically a couple of years back where he missed a fly ball, and then went down to pick it up and kicked it. And so there was two errors on one play. <laughs> yeah, I I think last year he got better. He technically had like a really good fielding year last year, even though I didn't see it during the games. I thought he was just okay out there. But in terms of sabermetrics, uh, he was one of the best-ranked left fielders in baseball. Really? Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I don't there, see but, it there's, but there's plenty of guys that um, – I mean, it, he might have been one of the better ones statistically, I guess. But everyone want, want, just, just wants to see him hit. I mean, he had bombs, so – yeah. Him in a DH spot would be would be pretty dangerous. And then having the DH, I mean, it allows the players just to pretty much only focus on that one thing. That's their one job. So how much time did, did Schwarber take or uh, how much time did he spend working on his fielding? That could have been put toward, towards hitting. Right, and he came up as a catcher and then converted to left field, and he was a better hitter as a catcher. So you have to think maybe all this position trying to figure it out cost him some chances at being a better hitter. He's still a good hitter, but he was a great hitter his rookie year as a catcher. And coming up, and hopefully Kyle Schwarber can help lead the Cubs to the playoffs this year. And 60-team playoffs, as we say, the Nationals wouldn't have made it last year at 17-31 and 31 through 48 games. They wouldn't have made it in 60-game playoffs. So the MLB season preview is upon us, and me and Jake are going to give a little rundown of a sleeper team, an overrated team, and MVP candidates we see in our near future for the season. One team that I think is 
people are sleeping on that I'm looking forward to watching this year. And they made a lot of moves this offseason, and it's unfortunate they're in the Cubs division. I think the Cincinnati Reds are going to be competitive this year. They have a great pitching staff. Um, you know, they have Trevor Bauer, and they got the likes of Sonny Gray last year. They have Luis Castillo. They have a great amount of pitchers, and they got some key hitters, too. They signed Mike Moustakis from the Braves. They already had Joey Votto. So these guys are going to be a threat to not only the Cubs but the NL Central, and I think that's my sleeper team. If I were to predict the playoffs, I'm not really sure how the format is going to work or anything like that right now, but a couple teams I do like to make it. I think the Nationals have a good chance at taking their division again. I think the um, Diamondbacks are going to upset a lot of people. I think they're actually going to outduel the highly beloved Dodgers in a crazy 60-game year for their division. So I think those two are going to take it. I'm maybe a little biased. I'm going to go with the Cubs here. I'm going to go with the Reds as a wild card team. And then in, as far as AL goes, I'm going with the Yankees. It's hard to go against them after they got Scott Boris. I mean, uh, Garrett Cole and free agency. I thought they were the same person pretty much, but it's hard to go <laughs> against the Yankees and their cheating ways. I mean, they just cheat to win, but a good team nonetheless. I think in the central, the Indians are going to come out again. I just, uh, they got a little worse this season, but I don't think they have a big threat in the central with teams like the Royals and the Tigers being low bottom feeders. And then the twins didn't do much. I, they got Donaldson, but other than that, they needed to address their pitching. I feel like they didn't really do that. And the White Sox, I feel like could compete for a wild card. Then you get to the Astros division. I think Astros take that one pretty easily. That's my quick little playoff preview. If the format were the same, Jake, what's a sleeper team you like? And what are some teams you like for the playoffs? Okay, so if I'm going to run through the playoffs, let's see. We got NL, I mean, AL East. Uh, Yankees are going to win that one. Um, AL Central, I'm going Twins. Twins won, a, won 100 games this past year, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's a that's a sneaky good team. I mean, I wouldn't call them my, my sleeper because they won 100 games last year, but they were overlooked just because the AL had uh, both the Yankees and, and the Astros with, with well over 100. So, yeah. they're also there. Um, AL West, uh, I think the Astros are going to win it. Um, I, I, I don't think it's going to be by a landslide. Um, A's are always pretty good, so – That'll be an interesting race. Yeah, Mike um, Fears, watch out for him. <laughs> NL East. Uh, NL East, I got the Braves. NL East, I got the Braves. NL Central, I'm the, I'm also going Cubs. Uh, and, and NL West, I'll just take the easy choice. It's, it's, it's the Dodgers. So, wild card teams, I'm going to go with the Reds. And I feel like I'm forgetting someone. Oh, the Nationals. I totally forgot about the Nationals. How, how the hell did I do that? <laughs> Okay, well, they lost to Rendon. I'm going to go um, Reds and Nationals for the wild card this year. And then the American League for the wild card, we'll, we'll, do, uh, we'll do the Rays and the Athletics. And my, my sleeper team, um, I'm, I'm going to go with the Rays. Uh, they are overlooked in that division. They were overlooked all, all last year. Um, and I think in a 60-game schedule, I mean, 60-game schedule with the different roster sizes they have this year, everyone, it's, it's just going to go different. I mean, how they use everyone's going to be different. And the Rays, uh, past few years, have kind of been the face of um, uniqueness and how they manage their games, which is going to be necessary 
this year. Um, in, a, in, in a 60 game schedule, I think with uh, all the injuries the Yankees have dealt with, um, I, I, I mean, I'd still put my money on the Yankees winning the, the division, but the Rays have, have, have a shot. I mean, in, in, in a 60 game year, they've got a great team, they've got great pitching, um, got a really smart front office. So yeah. if they can uh, if they can stay healthy and the Yankees struggle with some injuries, which they seem to always do, watch out for, for, for the Rays to be pushing them for the division, I'd say. Yeah, I think the Rays are a great choice as a sleeper team because they always fight year in and year out. And I think, um, you know, Blake Snell has a big year this year coming back and whatnot. I think another sleeper team I forgot to mention that I do think will be a tough out for everybody this year. And uh, really, I think they're going to put up a big fight. I think the Texas Rangers are going to be making some moves this year. They got Corey Kluber and they got Kyle Gibson, I believe, to try and help bolster their rotation. So I think between those two guys, um, they added a veteran Todd Frazier to the mix. I think they could be competitive, but I don't think they're going to make a World Series threat. I think they could compete for a wild card for sure. But in terms of overrated teams, I think the Red Sox have a down year this year. I think that Mookie Betts and David Price leaving them will ultimately hurt them. I don't see them having a good year this year. Um, and in the NL overrated this year, I'm going to go with the Milwaukee Brewers with Yellick being a little banged up. And they lost a couple key guys like Moustakis and some arms. So those are my two overrated teams, perhaps. Jake, do you have anyone flying over the radar? Um, a lot of people have been talking about the Angels. I would say they're my my overrated team. Um, it 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 seems like they're going to have a pretty exciting offense, but they got no pitching. Yeah, I mean they uh, got Dylan Bundy, um, Julio Tehran. If Otani could be healthy. Yeah, but that's a that's a big question mark. It, it and, is. Um, so like people have been like saying, oh, they're going to push the Astros for the division. I don't see it. I mean, if anyone's going to, it's going to be the A's. I think. Um, yeah. It's just, I mean, it's it's going to be an exciting division. I think uh, with the whole uh, Astros coming off of this this past off season, A's are always they're always better than you think they're going to be. Um, Rangers have a new ballpark, got a new ballpark. They uh, had a couple good pieces. Um, Mariners are just kind of there, but yeah, I mean that's going to be an exciting uh, division. One thing I was thinking about. Um, with the A's and Mike Fires, how do you think that's going to be handled? I mean, um, in terms of facing the Astros. Well, I know he's, I mean, he's come out and said that he's, he's looking forward to facing the Astros. What's he um, looking forward to letting up eight runs in two innings? <laughs> From a managerial perspective, do you put him out there? Yeah, I put him out there, and, you know, I, I as an A's manager, I put him out there and have faith in him, but he's going to get shelled. He's going to get bombarded. He's going to let up a ton of runs. I think the Astros are going to use this guy as motivation, and I think the Astros, when they face this guy, are going to be like, okay, let's go. I think they're going to be ready, and I think they're going to be primed, and this convo leads perfect into my MVP candidate choices because – not only Mike Fires, but I think a lot of people have lit fires under the Astros in general, like Trevor Bauer and others. So I think 
The MVP of the 2020 shortened season for me is going to be Alex Bregman. I think Bregman's going to have an incredible year. I think Bregman is a great five-tool player. And I think Bregman's, honestly, I know this might sound crazy, I think Bregman is the best player on the Houston Astros, even with all their great talents, even with all their great lineup. I just feel like Bregman is the best player. And I, I do like his Twitter game, too. He's a funny guy on Twitter. And I don't know. I think it'll be interesting. I don't I don't respect Mike Fears anymore, and I hope the Astros light him up like they deserve. And real quick, I guess a quick NL MVP candidate. I'm going to go with Starling Marte. This guy had a crazy offseason. He's in Arizona now. He lost the love of his life. It's tragic. I think he's going to have a big 60-game season. I think he's going to be playing with a big chip on his shoulder. So between Marte going to Arizona, losing a loved one, Bregman facing clowns like Mike Fears getting the Astros over the top with the haters, those are my two MVPs, Bregman and Starling Marte. Jake, what's your take on Mike Fears being a clown? And do you have any MVP candidates? Yeah, you. Uh, I mean, I'm obviously kind of biased because I'm an Astros fan, but I was going to pick Bregman too. So <laughs> you lie. Yeah, I. I mean, <laughs> honestly, like from a big picture per, perspective, I mean, it's a shortened season. Um, a lot of uh, performance this year is going to be dependent on. Uh, how you how you uh, kept yourself prepared throughout the extended off season, um, and to to just be ready. I mean, sixty games every year. I mean, every game is worth pretty much three times as much as as, as it normally would. Um, so you you better be ready when when you're playing. Um, every game is going to be uh, high stakes. Every every pitch, it's going to be kind of closer to like a kind of like a playoff feel I, I feel like and um I mean the Astros with what happened this whole offseason with all the criticism they got and a lot of it rightly so um but their success the past few years has been in question it isn't just this year that's kind of at stake I feel like if they come out and, and they struggle the, this year there's going to be a lot of people saying oh they never actually were good but if they come out and they win, I mean, it it doesn't completely validate their success, but it kind of takes away some of the questions of it. So I yep. feel like 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 if you're not ready and you come into Houston, you're gonna get killed. And I'm I'm just looking forward to it. It's 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 gonna be entertaining to watch. Um, it's it's gonna be every game. I think the Astros are gonna be facing. Um, they're they're gonna be facing it kind of with like a playoff mentality, I feel like. Um and I'm I'm just looking forward to it. And I and I think Bregman, I think, is the guy that's um he I mean he as you said, he 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 is the best player on the Astros. He is. I yeah, mean, he's not he's not the most known name, but he's the best player. No, but he's he's going to be soon. I yep. mean they're loaded with with great names. Altuve won an MVP a couple years back. Springer's a great player. Alvarez is coming up. The pitching perspective, I mean, Verlander and Granke are two of the best in the game. But Bregman is the best player on, on the Astros. Um, and just being able to watch him day in and day out, he's, he's incredible. Um, so, and, I mean, he's, he's got a chip on his shoulder. Uh, to be honest, he is very arrogant, but it's because he knows he's I love good. it. And, um, I mean, one of my favorite uh, gifts, I don't know if you've seen it, uh, 
think it's the, the 2017 playoffs, uh, they took the lead. Him and the him in the dugout just screaming. Uh, I, yeah, I mean he's awesome. He's awesome. I mean, he's he's arrogant because he's good, and he's arrogant because he wants to be the best player in the game. Yep. And, and I mean, you you have the right to like be one of those arrogant. Guys that uh, if if he's on your team, you love him. If he's a team, if he's uh, not on your team, a lot of time you can't stand him. So. It's a weird comparison, but in terms of stardom to a completely other sport, I mean, Bregman's not a dirty player, but in terms of, like, love him on your team, hate him if not on your team, I compare him to kind of like an an Adamican Sioux because there's such good players or such good playmakers that you want these guys on your team. And like I said, for different reasons, these, you know, Sue's more of a cheap shot, dirty guy and Bregman, it's just his arrogant attitude, but you love him if they're on your team. And if they're not on your team, you don't, but I am a big Bregman guy myself. And do you have any NL MVP candidates real quick before we wrap up? Um, yeah, let's see. Let's see. Um, I'm going to take a shot at dark of this. I didn't prepare for this question. Um, I'm going to go with, with Cody Bellinger. I mean, the Dodgers are going to be great again this year. Bellinger uh, is quickly becoming one, one of the best players in the game. I'm going to say Bellinger. So we both got NL West uh, MVPs. You got Bellinger. I got Marte. You got the Dodgers. I got the Diamondbacks. That'll be a fun one to watch down the stretch. I think Dodgers do. I'm I'm just going with the Cinderella story, Diamondbacks. And it'll be a fun baseball year. And some things that'll change in baseball will be fantasy baseball. And I know our league's going crazy up in arms right now how we're going to play it. I don't think you could do head-to-head matchups in a 60-game season. So we're going to go rotisserie league. I know we did that a long time ago. Rotisserie league was pretty fun. It'll be interesting in a 60-game season, though, and it'll be interesting to see how fantasy baseball changes in the future down the line because of this. Yeah, with, with the rotisserie league, um, it's kind of like the whole year is kind of the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, the uh, – I mean, if you have a bad start, it could affect You're done. Ten. Yeah, you're done. I, I mean, if you start bad, like you're pretty much done. That's the thing with head to head. You could start off and you could go three and twenty-seven in your first three weeks head to head, but then you could, you know, go on a tear and go forty and ten in your next five weeks and be in the playoffs. But in Roto, if your team starts like dog crap, you're you're not going to get up the rankings anytime soon. Yeah, I'm 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 looking forward to it this year. This year is going to be interesting. I I think from a pitching perspective, I've been trying to think how how to approach that with, with drafting. Um, I think from a hitting perspective, it's not going to change that much, but from a pitching perspective, um, I mean, pitchers probably aren't going to be pitching as long as games. The, uh, the rosters are bigger. So there's going to be some extra uh, bullpen arms. Um, and also, I mean, managers aren't going to be wanting to leave guys in there for as long because five innings with one run baseball, we're good. But if you go seven innings and give up three or four, you, you could lose. Um, so, so kind of like a like a like a playoff um, mentality. Because um, then, I mean, in in the in the playoffs, um, pitchers tend to stay in there a lot shorter, uh, just because the managers are less willing to risk uh, facing lineup a third time. Um, and uh, a lot of times, like in the regular season and in a full season, uh, the starter stays in there uh, to kind of help um, the bullpen um, not go as deep into it. But in a shorter season, it doesn't matter as much 
um, by the end of the year, it's it's also going to be interesting by the end of the year. I mean, guys like like Verlander last year, Verlander by the end of playoffs was exhausted. Yep. But now it's a it's a sixty game sprint. Playoffs, you should still be full full energy. Yep. So, yeah. What do you think? How are you? Uh, I mean, I don't want to get you to give me too many of your insider how are you going to be drafting, but what are things going to be different this year? I don't know. I kind of view it as you, like I'm going to approach hitting kind of the same because a lot of the time too, a lot of these premier hitters, you know, start slow for 20, 25, 30 games. And that's going to be a third or half of the season this year. So hitting's kind of going to be a shot in the dark as well. And pitching, it's going to be crazy. I don't know. It's going to be like something we've never drafted for before. There's going to be, players dealing with COVID throughout the year and more IL spots are going to be have to be taken up in fantasy. So it's going to be crazy. There's going to be transactions in fantasy like we've never seen before day to day. I think it'll garner interest more because it's only 60 games. So people don't really have days to take off of fantasy. So I think it's going to be balls to the wall. I think it's going to be intense. I think it's going to be fun. Um, I, I prefer head to head and for sure, but this year you could only do roto that's the rotisserie that's all i see uh, is a logical option and my draft strategy will probably be well i guess we'll have to find out for the draft my friend but i do agree with you in fact that hitting won't be too much of a change but pitching you could get some big dogs um kind of later and you know they're going to be pitching in more prevalent spots this year with only 60 games it'll be interesting to see if teams go to four or six man rotations and try and stretch these guys out more or pitch them less I don't really know how it's going to go, but I'm looking forward to trying to win fantasy baseball again. And, oh, wow. It, it seems like another episode is potentially coming on. I, I don't know. It seems like we fly by when we're having fun talking baseball. Yeah, it was just, just a little bit over an hour. Yeah, I mean. Hour and 12 minutes already. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, this is it. I mean, these episodes are fun. We can uh, fill them with a lot of information. There was stuff that we didn't even get to, so I guess we'll just put that in next week's episode. We didn't even get to the circus with Rob Manfred. I mean, it, we went <laughs> we went the whole episode without <laughs> mentioning the clown, and uh, well, I just blew it because I mentioned it, but w- that was phenomenal. We didn't even talk <laughs> about that guy once, and we filled an hour with a bunch of great stuff. Yeah, so uh, I I guess it is possible. <laughs> I guess it is possible to not talk about. Um, we'll see how our fans like this one or our listeners like this one, I should say. But as always, it's a great time. Happy Independence Day. Happy Fourth of July. It was a lot of fun today. Uh, I know. Enjoy it with your friends. Enjoy it with your family. Jake, enjoy golf. And my man, you got to let our listeners know if you get the upper hand or if Hammy does. Yep. Yeah, we're playing uh, in about three hours. So got to get ready. Got to get a. Uh got to get some uh, some energy in because we're walking we're walking about seven miles a day so oh like man nine degrees yeah see I, I sign me up for a cart brother <laughs> my, <laughs> my legs would be gassed but hats off to you <laughs> great luck to jake um on behalf of jake once again i'm tones thank you for tuning in to cardboard and cracker jacks you can find this on timeskew.com spotify apple google podcast The hot dogs eating contest is about to kick off. It was fun talking. It was a great time. As always, goodbye, and we'll be back next week with some live action.